0: something you know um yeah i've told you my wife is a typical white woman and she loves true crime like she just loves it
1: classic white woman
0: i mean you know don't fit into that stereotype that's a stereotype you know people are like oh that's fine uh like i'm gonna own that stereotype i totally think that being a a a connoisseur of fucking true crime is something that white women wear like badges i could be wrong right
1: well, I mean, it is like a weird thing that I have noticed, especially with white women, where they they are like uh, genuinely, you know, not to broadly stereotype here, they are genuinely fascinated by like, oh, did you Boy, see yeah. that new uh, Ted
0: Bundy thing? And it's mm-hmm. like, eh, yeah, I did. Wasn't great. I heard that it's a really interesting thing that women have this really interesting uh, perspective on true crime because they can imagine themselves as both the killer and the victim, which is something that generally mm. men don't have to deal with, you know? So that makes sense why women would be into that, but right. white women specifically love this shit. And I just, I don't understand mm. the racial divides. I would love to like go around and like fucking interview everyone about this, but
1: have you seen any like broad uh, dem- demographic statistics on this? Or are you just basing this on like experience, like just in your experience? Cause I, I've, this too but i don't know it for sure you know
0: yeah i don't know i mean other than social media you know everyone loves that shit i remember that you know, we had a friend of ours go missing who was still missing our friend kelly Brennan, and like at some point some 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 uh, well-intentioned people said hey let's do a, a, a like a, a facebook page mm-hmm. that that's like we're gonna find her And then what it turned into was a bunch of really sad, desperately needing validation, white women, like I'm on the case and let's become sleuths. But they were protecting the boyfriend who clearly killed my friend. I don't know. I don't want to get too much into this. My point is that everyone thinks that like true crime is their is their call to action it's their hero's journey beginning it gives us a chance to to all become detectives in our own way you know people don't deserve like a lot of people are dumb as fuck like these are the people like so this very like like one example there is a woman here who i got ended up getting kicked out of this group right because i was just like what are you doing who was going around being like i'm a detective i'm a detective i'm a detective someone decided to like go on her facebook page and go back years and stuff this woman was catfished twice Two separate catfish incidences, so you're clearly oh, not good at detecting the lies. Yeah, in gotta, it's
1: got to take a toll, right? Unless you're just like such a narcissist that you're like, No, nah, I'm not gonna get catfished again, no one can catfish catfish.
0: <laughs> the second catfish really has to be where you're like, What have I become? <laughs> you know,
1: catfish me once, shame on you, catfish me twice. I'm not gonna get catfished again
0: yeah i mean that's and yet there it happened she fell right into that paddle right. um but whatever i don't want to get too the reason i'm bringing all this up is that my wife found well i think i found this one found this true crime thing called homicide hunter with detective joe kenda okay Ooh. this is a big deal and i gotta tell you the only reason i was attracted to this is like i saw some preview where He was incredibly sassy. like. So Joe Kenda
1: was the draw here. He was a force of personality that just drew you in.
0: Well, I'm going to tell you what happened here, right? Because I used to hate this shit when I was a kid. I used to hate like the first 48 or any any of those things. I always thought it was weird and dumb, right? This is uh, a true crime thing like I have never seen before, which is that it's based on this guy named Joe Kenda, who was a lieutenant in Colorado Springs. He solved 382 murders, okay? has a 93%, it's incredible, 93%. Keep all of this in mind, by the way, because... you, our minds are going to be blown together in a second. Okay, mm-hmm. so ninety-three percent clearance rate on his homicides, like insane. Like, dude, dude has skills. And what he does, all of it is based on him. So they have an old Joe Kenda. They have him as an old man, kind of giving you like the narration of all the specifics of these cases. And then they go back and have a reenactor. They have like a whole, and it's the same guy over and over again. So there is a like meta narrative going on here, which is like, oh, there's a young Joe Kenda actually on the ground floor doing all the investigative. Yeah stuff you've seen that before everyone's seen reenactors no problem right um but this is where it starts to get interesting there are little seeds of storytelling and unlike every other true crime which is usually like a bunch of different detectives and a bunch of different perspectives right this is just following one detective's uh you know crimes one at a time so we get to see where he was in his life when he first starts out and like throughout the years like things are changing and they they're, they're already starting to fuck with this like they're like uh my wife was mad that i didn't come home for christmas blah 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 blah. right like or they drink an eggnog and he has to go to a scene and his wife's mad and i'm like his wife's gonna fucking leave him like they're doing a thing i've never seen before and right. this is my big example okay so in season three of this show we are now firmly on season four they introduce a new character, uh, Detective uh, Velez. And Velez is presented to us, the audience, as a new kid who Kenda has to literally put his arm around and say, like, it is, you know, this is the life. You know what I'm saying? More or less.
1: <laughs> I'm just picturing a detective like putting his arm around and just growling at him, <laughs> grumbling.
0: <laughs> no, but so, like, he literally says, like, oh, this is the life. And you're like, oh, wow. So this is Kenda, maybe six, seven years in. You know what I mean? Like, clearly haunted by this. Like, he's always, like, shooting his gun to blow off steam. That's every transition. They're like, across town, Lieutenant Joe Kenda's blowing off steam, and he's just shooting (laughs) some shit. And so, like, they introduce this Velez guy, and then they cut to a talking head of Velez as an adult, right? Like, in the current times. And I'm like, oh, that's really cool. Also, something I've never really seen, where they decide to bring in the other meta narrative. Here's the thing. Velez is the fucking chief of of police. And Kenda... Never got past lieutenant, solving 380 murders and having a 93% clearance rate. Why? Mm-hmm. Clearly, because he went insane. Right? Like he is one of those people that, in order to catch them, he had to think like them. Sort of. Oh day, wow!
1: Right? So he's he's like uh, uh, Will and Hannibal, or like uh, Monk and Monk, or like any well, of those.
0: Detected. Further, further than that, dude. Listen, this show started in a pre-Hannibal world, and then mm-hmm. Hannibal aired, and so seasons three and four they straight up adopt the Will Graham, like, whoah, like as the scene yeah. starts to rewind, and he's like, <laughs> and it's just Joe Kenda narrating as things are happening. So it's fascinating to me. And by the way, I know how this series ends on accident. I like sort of saw what the ending is, and mm-hmm. my suspicions are totally correct that this is a overall story about this dude's career in the guise of true crime investigative bullshit, right? Like, there is catharsis here. Like, I know where this ends and where the character starts and where, you know what I mean? I'm like, Mm -hmm. holy shit, I've never seen this before. And it was just when they introduced Velez where I'm just like, piece of shit, Velez. You came on the force six years later. Joe Kenda had to put his arm around you and say, it's life, you know what I'm (laughs) saying? And now you're chief of police.
1: You got very very emotionally invested in Joe Kenda, is what I'm realizing. Like, Like, it just told a story over episodes.
0: Um, well, that, well, because they do it without you knowing it. Like that was the mm. thing. There is just small continuity in these little stories about like, like uh, my wife where was it's mad. like
1: about the case, but he's like, yeah, like I got the call and I was drinking eggnog with my goddamn wife. And she's like, where are you going? Joe Kenda? And I had to go.
0: Dude, yes yes so you're getting it so it's not just like like the intriguing murder that's happening it's that <laughs> yes. slow motion trained wreck like i'm watching this guy ruin his life max like Wait. i'm and I'm so sad because obviously, like he kept he kept evil at bay. Well, not at bay, but at least kept evil accountable. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like, and he did that. Because my thing is this: if you have a 93% clearance rate, you're a beautiful, blue-eyed, waspy, like man in the Midwest. Right. How the fuck didn't you become chief of police? Why did you only get to lieutenant? I know the answer to that. And it's heartbreaking. That's my point. Like, it's this thing where, like, little by little, and Dolores doesn't know. So it's so thrilling to see how they like put these little pieces in place you know but but yeah aside from the meta narrative Joe Kenda as an old man is fucking hilarious he always has like these little asides to the camera when things are like where they're doing interrogation scenes and they cut to him and he's just like he's about to throw Brian out of the bus my 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 like being sassy as fuck like, yesterday he said people ask me all the time don't you have sympathies for these people and I say if you want to find sympathy go look in the dictionary it's between shit and syphilis and i'm like what the wow. fuck is going on with this old man who is he who says shit like that joe kenda is the answer Okay. Wow just a real
1: Real ripped from like a fucking crime Novel uh series or something Like this sounds like a Mary Higgins Clark character But good
0: yeah <laughs> thank you For that qualifier because Mary Higgins Clark Herself was like come on Kenda is way Too fully realized and nuanced to be one of My characters
1: right. that. Uh, honestly that was Just a panic reference I was like trying to think of like Mystery writers and for some reason I think it's because I'm at my mom's house right now and she has a bookshelf With a, an entire shelf dedicated To Mary Higgins Clark mm-hmm. you know Because that's like the the mom's your mom's mystery you know oddly uh,
0: enough when we were kids like at the library they had a bunch of Mary Higgins Clark too and that was like what they would tell people to read instead of like Stephen King for some reason. Like Stephen King was like a weird thing which is thank right. you. There's like actual murder and shit in Mary Higgins Clark like real world implications. Most of right. Stephen King's about devils and vampires and werewolves and shit. <laughs> like,
1: right, yeah. But you know she made it cute with the titles where it was like dial D for dangerous you know or like whatever. Wait, so. no that's
0: Sue Grafton, oh, right? is that Sue Grafton. Yeah. She's got the alphabet Game going
1: on. I don't on. fucking know. You know, I like
0: that. That's Sue Crafted was like doing the Sufyan Stevens. Like, oh, we have a concept here. We could just do twenty six right. of these.
1: <laughs> I love how Sufyan. And we'll get back to true crime because I actually uh, watched a true crime doc recently. um But yeah, some uh, like weird that um, fucking. Okay, I lost it. I'm gonna be honest. I <laughs> distracted me. I totally forgot what I was. No,
0: Sufyan. Sufyan. Oh yeah,
1: Sufyan. <laughs> Uh, sorry, audience. <laughs> uh, Sufyan, you know, like he he committed to doing a fifty states project and just noped out after two,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then and then tried to like step back and act I like oh that. I never I was joking. Don't you it get? Mid- Come on, he, you know he was
0: like Mississippi, fuck South Dakota. Yeah. Like, no, he just he was like, Okay, maybe we could skip some of these, <laughs> but then the allure of doing all fifty states goes away, you know. Right. He just starts like, yeah. All right, we'll trade South Dakota for a Puerto Rico album. <laughs> we'll get Guam like, in I, there.
1: He's like, What the fuck am I gonna say about Rhode Island? It's like, <laughs> what, what does he
0: <laughs> Well, he would have to do one song for 30 seconds, and it's like, Well, you know, it's the smallest state. And I thought that I'd make a comment. He that's some kind of shit he would do, obviously.
1: Yeah, that, that actually makes sense. Why didn't he do that?
0: Damn you, Sufyan You well, ruined my life. He still has plenty of time. He's still out there. Unlike Jokenda, where the time is fucking ticking, you know? Like, yeah. the clock is winding down. But so, so, whatever. I'm going to kind of move off of Joe Kenda. My recommendation is go watch that. But I do want to swerve mm-hmm. to another thing, which is... Whoa.
1: I, I just, I did want to talk about real quick, a true crime thing that I've watched, unless oh. you're going to continue to talk about true crime. Um, yeah, just exactly. wanted to like give a brief non-recommendation, uh, to anybody that's seen it, a uh, crime scene the vanishing at the Cecil hotel. Have you seen this?
0: I saw the first episode and thought it was uh, terrible.
1: Yeah. Just so, yeah. so bad. I, I watched like two episodes and like, you, you think that like, it's got this great setup like where the Cecil hotel hotel is like party to like all this fucking like crazy morbid history where like suicides have happened and murders and like all these crazy crimes over the years like american horror story based an entire season on that hotel angel fucking barton fink is based on that hotel and i was like okay cool they're gonna make a thing about this hotel but instead they make it about like the most boring case ever to which they have no clear answers and they just keep showing you the same two minutes of footage Again and again and again. And it was like, fuck, man, people will eat up anything.
0: Yeah. The one thing I did like about that first episode was just when they kind of got into the history of Skid Row a little bit. You know yeah, what I mean? Where they're talking about cool. like the reason this is the way it is is because L.A. Like it was interesting. Amsterdam, like L.A. Mm-hmm. was ahead of this wire shit years ago, except that it wasn't right. necessarily about drugs only. It was about right. like let's put all of the undesirables it was about here, you sequestering
1: know? them all in one area, and then not giving them me. any services. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But yeah. Like it had that's such like great fucking fertile grounds for like going through the history of this crazy, weird, morbid place, and instead they just made it about this one girl. Animal. and like her mental health and i just kept thinking like god if i was that girl and i knew that like people were fucking picking apart my tumblr posts you know talking about my mental health yeah, like, yeah. so this is
0: actually great because this is a transition that you handed me on a plate
1: which Yay. is like
0: i would love to do a true crime thing or it's from the perspective of the ghost <laughs> that's still in the room does that make sense so like you know crime scene joe kenda shows up and he's just like oh god looks like we have a suicide or whatever you know what i mean mm-hmm. and then the ghost is just like it's clearly not a suicide like just it's just like, at him yeah dude so but the thing is and we do it the same way so instead of joe kenda doing like talking heads giving you context on the case it's the right. ghost being next to the cop as they blunder the case and they do a cutaway to be in like I mean, how the fuck do you even become a cop in this country? You know what I mean? It just keeps going right. the narrative that way. It has like
1: <laughs> different like historical crime scene photos with the ghosts, like just with their like head in their hands, like
0: fuck. <laughs> Guys. Well, because that's the thing is you're like, the evidence is all there. Like my five-year-old could have solved this case and you can't, you know? So I was right. thinking about that really hard because I'm like, at least a lamb has to be, you know, I want to live in a world where, you know, you're still fucking around wherever you died. You know, and oh. it's like she's just in the hallways getting mad at the hotel. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, it's a terrible hotel, but it was once a proud hotel. And yeah. maybe she's in the, like, the Shining times. Because what's cool about the Shining is, like, they tell you the Overlook Hotel has seen better days, but it's still, like, this beautiful kind of, like, in disrepair yeah. thing. But at the end, what do we do? Cut back July 4th, nineteen twenty three i think yeah you see it in its glory days and i think elisa yeah. lamb's there in her glory days and well
1: earth. hey man we, we we can only hope that you know she was there back when the cecil hotel was only mildly spooky <laughs> not filled with crack addicts
0: <laughs> all true crime has the same weird uh thing for me which is um and, and then i got fascinated by this and i just went down a fucking rabbit hole which mm. is um i always say i can't be an actor because it requires you know nuance and like uh the ability to, to totally turn off the part of your brain that is uh, christian yeah. being another person i think i could be a reenactor because i see all these reenactors and it's incredible because it's like i'm not an actor okay i'll be mm-hmm. the first one to tell you i'm not acting here Just don't give me an acting award but god damn it i'm a reenactor and i'm like that's hilarious to me that there are people I- who like specialize in that I did want to loop
1: back to this, actually, because this is something you brought up. Like we were doing like a, a read through of our script. We told you we would check in every now and then about yeah. how that's going and everything. And like you were like, I'm not an actor. I don't know how to do accents and stuff. And like, honestly, man, I think you're selling yourself short. Like and and I mean that sincerely because um, you do like a shitload of voices on this podcast all the goddamn time. I think you act without knowing it. I think a lot of us do. It's just like accessing that getting over that hump of like, oh, now I'm in actor mode. Right. It's
0: just like you just do it. Well, it's yeah, never performative awesome. when I do it here. It's performative in the in the means that I'm performing for you, but I don't have to think about what I'm doing. It's just me having fun. Anytime right. you have to act like, oh, one, two, three, go. It's like mm-hmm. it's just a totally different vibe. But I'll get over it little by little, you know. I hope yeah, so. I think I, I, I think have a Royland like problem. A, I think all my voices sound the same as the problem. You know what I mean? Like not not like him, but like <laughs> it's very clearly me. I've never been able I, to mask my voice.
1: <laughs> I've been watching some Rick and Morty recently. Uh just like to watch it and uh i i watched a um a video where he was breaking down all of his characters or whatever and it was just versions of the same fucking shrieking thing just at different volumes he's like yeah this character is more of a you know a shy nerd and it just sounds like morty
0: yeah but good, good for him, though. I love that he's been yeah. able to weaponize that. And also, that voice is good. Like, if you're going to yeah. have one voice. like <laughs> it, It's
1: Charlie from It's Always Sunny. Like, he doesn't need to ever change that voice. It's, like, instantly hilarious, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, so why didn't you want to be? You did some acting. You did, like, stage plays and stuff. And I and mm-hmm. I, I went to a couple, and I thought you were really good at it. You had one where you had the accent, which was insane to me, that you were able to sustain right. an English accent on stage, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no,
1: I, I, I really like acting. I don't like... I don't like theater though, like in terms of doing it because you're at least at that level, at the high school level or community theater, you're surrounded by like the worst kinds of personalities to me, mm-hmm. which is people who are like super seeking validation at all times. And like feverishly checking the cast lists and everything and thinking they're owed something. And it's just like a, a fucking mix of all of these big personalities um, with varying degrees of talent that aren't honest with themselves. So it's just like a shit show of like insecurity.
0: I was like that in high school. I never did drama or anything because I hated the prospect of it. Now I will say yeah. senior year, they they did Beauty and the Beast. And your mom, mm-hmm. like, and here's something like whatever, your mom is a wonderful fucking director. Like, she's done yeah. productions with children, actual elementary mm-hmm. school people. So we appreciate a good stage show, maybe more than other, other. people would, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a weird thing where, like, I saw this in senior year, and all the shit that I had talked about drama kids for three years, I felt bad about because it was a wonderful show and your mom actually knows uh mr mooney right like the the guy who was running that shit or mason yeah. mr mason yeah yeah, yeah um, she does so th- that was my point where i was just like really blown away by it and i felt like oh did i did i miss out on something like should i have been with these weird freaks and we were all freaks obviously freaks and geeks sure. right but it was just like oh should i have done this because the end result was this amazing thing, but I'm hearing yeah. you on the on behind the curtain being like oh, ah, a just,
1: so many fucking tears, you know, of people coming in and out of dressing rooms and just shrieking and people having to crowd around like, no, honey, you're doing great even when they're not. And it's just like a lot of that where it's just like I see that and I just get a fucking headache immediately. I'm like, just do your job. You got three lines. Do the hell out of them. Um, but no like when you actually get out on the stage and you got the lights on you and the audience reacts to what you're doing in the way you want them to yeah. like you've had that experience on panels like that's a great feeling you know
0: yeah no totally and I thought that was that was the first time I had ever had that experience and you get yeah. addicted to that to a, to an extent but the difference sure. is I got to be me I didn't have to do anything else you know what I'm saying right so it's like eventually I'll get there I mean I am interested in voice acting and by virtue of keeping our project cheap uh we will be doing voice acting right. <laughs> like that's what's gonna happen I think the entire cast as of right now is three people doing everything. So.
1: Right. Yeah. No, I, I just want to say, like, don't think of it as an ability you don't have, just like a, um, you know, something you haven't worked a out. A muscle yet.
0: I need yeah. to yeah, exactly. work out. Yeah, totally. I plan on it at some point, you know, that, that that would be the goal. Um, but We'll check back in with that. I mean, OK, so I want to get off all this shit because I do. We mm-hmm. talked about something a week and a half ago and mm-hmm. we've never talked about it again. I feel like it's been burning a hole in my soul until we can talk about this, which What's is it? The other day I said, I'm going to get drunk. As you know, I have not really been drinking much during pandemic, mm-hmm. neither of you. Uh, but I was like, let's open up some wine and let's keep opening up bottles of wine until there's <laughs> no wine left in this house. Uh, and then I got really obsessed with the Popeye song, He Needs Me uh, mm-hmm. by Shelley Duvall, which is a glorious fucking song. song. And, yeah. and also the movie. movie. But that. Yeah. You well, thank you for appreciating the song. Watch that fucking movie, which is a total acid trip. Like it has no right to exist. Altman is a freak, and I. And when you watch it, we'll talk about it. We'll pick it back up. But I remember hearing that song other than Popeye as as a kid was when Punch Drunk Love came out. Um, Mm -hmm. Because there's a scene where they use it, and I was like, "Oh, it's so pretty." And I was like, "We should." I haven't watched Punch Drunk Love in like ten years, and I and I think it's such a beautiful, wonderful film, and I would love to revisit it. At that exact same moment, I'm scrolling and I see. 1999's the Mummy. the Mummy. Yep. And I'm yeah. like, okay, well, like what else, <laughs> what else are we doing today? Uh, and I got to tell you, like I forgot what a bop this entire film is. Mostly oh, mostly just this. I forgot how fucking ambitious and audacious it is. That screenplay, Max, has to say like fade in exterior Egypt 3000 years ago that's page one and you're like oh shit we're going places (laughs) and we have fun in the places we go what's your memory of this fucking movie because i had literally not seen it since like 2003
1: Oh, I've, I've rewatched it many times throughout the years. Like, I, I, I love that movie. I think that it's like pe- people kind of have written it off like as like a Indiana Jones like kind of ripoff. But I think it like stands on, on its own. It's captures that same energy in a good way, you know, like in a way that most other Indiana Jones type adventure movies haven't. And like Brendan Fraser is great in it. Like a leading man,
0: great. a leading man. Yeah, Who the fuck? not like, not like a do punchline
1: yeah he's not a walking punchline he's like legitimately good and like you get why he was a viable action star for a while like he's great
0: well i just don't understand why he was ever not a viable action star because he did well maybe that third mummy was just really bad i didn't see it in my mind like if rachel vice isn't there there's no mummy you know what i'm saying like she was as integral to that franchise as brendan Fraser was to me in a weird way so Mm -hmm. i just never i I just exercise those films but I was watching this movie and I said it the other day which is like sure I understand the I guess the Indiana Jones thing but more than that what I see is the 40s 50s serials like that they're taking clearly taking from you know what I'm saying yeah. which was like just that spirit of fucking swashbuckling adventure and I was like holy shit they really nailed that with this mummy mm-hmm. film most of its practical effects except for like you know uh, face sand or whatever or those Beatles. everything yeah. else you can tell has like an actual texture they're shot on location like it holds up it's fucking really good it's really it's better than as any and to be clear i'm not saying it's an oscar-winning movie but i'm talking about just like if you go to escape you go to movies for escapism and just dumb fun good time you're Mm -hmm. not gonna find a better just fun time now what i'm scared of is this like mummy mummy returns is on hulu like i i want to watch it but i'm so scared that it will be a dramatic downstep from the magic that was the first mummy
1: i I think all i remember about that movie and i think it's in this movie is that they have like pygmy mummies um but that's all i remember is they have like little tiny mummies that Mm. chase them um but i remember being in the theater and watching that with my group of like 11 year old friends at the time Mm. and we all like just started applauding throughout the whole fucking thing we were having a great time so it's a great memory that i almost don't want to sully but like as as far as like theater
0: experiences go having a fucking blast of Mummy Returns, bro. That's the thing. As a kid, I remember loving Mummy Returns. But as a kid, I really loved Back to the Future 2, which is not, as an adult, it is not as great in my mind. It's a lot like um, Star Wars and Empire. Like, mm. you can remember, like, Empire, I think, is the better movie, but it's reliant on, like, a bunch of sci-fi tropes and an inherent understanding of the story that came before it. Like, A New Hope, I think, is, like, clearly the best of those movies. Um and that's sort of how I feel about that. It's like Back to the Future is perfect. And Back to the Future 2 is, is like a lot of fun. And as a kid, you can squint and be like, those two movies are the same. I used to think Rocky 1 and Rocky 5 were as good when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And I saw them all at the same time. You know what I mean? Because they yeah. played that music and Sylvester Stallone got up. And, he's like, Let's do it. and then that was all that you needed. And it was a Rocky movie. And it was equally good. That's all I'm trying to say. Memory is imperfect.
1: Yeah, I mean, like I, I always flash back to, and like personally, I take your point totally. But I, I would go to bat for Back to the Future too for just being like so fucking ambitious and crazy. Mm-hmm. Like I think the third one was just like that. It ends on a cliffhanger, and then you get the third one, and it's like this is what we waited for. This is what you know, to be continued led to. Yeah. Um,
0: but we, we get fucking Biff Trump. It's great. Right. Right. Um, no, there's certain things, certainly things to yeah. like about Back to the Future too. I'm just talking about. But it does a-
1: overcomplicate like a pure yeah. like simple story. Um, But like I always flashback to We're Back, Dinosaur Story, oh, which God. I think we all had fond memories of as kids. You know, My that was, was like terrifying for a lot of people. And like, I think you heard it from me because I rewatched it like a year ago. And, like, I couldn't get through 20 minutes of it. It was just, like, the biggest fucking mess I've ever seen. Like, almost unreleasable in terms of, like, how sloppy it was. Like, the audio quality, everything. Um, and it's, like, as a kid, I didn't notice that shit. You know, it was just, like, oh, colorful dinosaurs, T-Rex, um, and Jurassic Park, you know? Yeah, so I see. Memory- I think they changed shit.
0: I think there's two things that play there, which is uh, what we remember fondly, I think, is the... Dun- 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 Everyone wanna be a dinosaur. That song was yeah. the song of that movie, which, come on, that's an early 90s bop. We gotta give it credit where credit's due, right? Sure. Um, that's what we remember fondly. I I remember that movie being like, whenever we were kids, like, you know, it didn't take much for us to get excited uh, to think that a film was really, really good. But, right. What I find interesting about that is like there are bad animated films and there are films that just don't work as films. Um, mm-hmm. I think we said this on a pod already or I said it on my other thing um, on Double Toasted. But it's like when we watch Suicide Squad, it really fucked with me because it forced <laughs> me to be like Zack Snyder for your faults. Your movies are just bad, but they make sense as movies. They have beginnings middles ends like right. uh, suicide squad just does not work as a film it is like kind of a failure it's embarrassing to watch like mm-hmm. and it has all these characters that you think this will at least buy it two hours of goodwill we were almost done with that movie 20 minutes in and because we hate ourselves we continued watching it you know right so my my point is like that's something I'm gonna bring this up because they nominated Wonder Woman 1984 for a Razzie Mm -hmm. And I, I, like, really defended Wonder Woman 1984 for a second. I'm like, you know, the Razzies used to be for shit that just didn't work as movies. Like Catwoman playing basketball, you know, Halle Berry. Like, like, what the fuck are we doing when, like, well-meaninged and dumb, inoffensive films are, are now being considered Razzie movies? Like... Wonder Woman is like got a lot of problems. I don't think that's a Razzie movie or am I just an old man who doesn't understand that times have changed?
1: I, I I would nominate the fuck out of that for Razzies to be honest. But like, I felt like I was losing my goddamn mind when I was watching that movie. And I don't know if we've talked about this movie on this podcast and we don't Let's, have to get, I, No, I feel like it. we
0: need to now.
1: <laughs> it just, none of it makes sense. None of it hangs together. But one thing that I'll give it, uh like over other dc movies aside from like shazam and aquaman is that like it has this fucking pure spirit to it where it doesn't feel like a nihilistic hellscape like any of snyder's films or the airs uh suicide squad one um where at least it's trying to be you know positive and fun or whatever but ah, it just didn't work for me at all So here's my deal. I
0: hated the first 20 minutes of this movie to the point where I was like, let's turn this off. And we didn't. Credit to my Mm -hmm. wife. It was like, keep stick with it. We'll watch it. Uh, I thought I just really hated the beginning. I hated the entire mall sequence, even though I know what you're saying. That is that kind of pure spirit. Like I was almost angry that it could take that tone during these times. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) But so I was like, fuck you. And I kept watching the movie. And while like, oh my God, super heavy-handed, Kristen Wiig, all men are terrible, blah, 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 blah. Like a lot of that shit doesn't work and they don't earn it. And also they fail Kristen Wig's character. I watched that movie and I'm like, oh, I sort of understand Max Lord. Like, and I don't want to get into the incredibly convoluted wishing, <laughs> like time travel elements to this. Cause they, like, you know, uh-huh. if I talk shit about Avengers Endgame, I have to talk shit about the logic of this too. Uh, I don't really want to get into that because it'll, it'll be a thread that leaves us with nothing. But I'm just saying on a pure, I understand the villain- in a way that I don't understand 95% of Marvel villains, I'm like, good for this movie. Like, Because I actually, even though I think it's way worse, I think I had a better experience watching Wonder Woman 84 than I did the first Wonder Woman. I just did not like the first Wonder Woman.
1: I, I, I don't know. Like, I just thought like the, the whole and I understand what you're saying. Like, I, I think that like my issue mainly stemmed from the fact that like this all comes from like this sort of monkey's paw wish yeah. fulfillment plot device um, where uh, Diana wishes to get her old love back. And then he takes over and hijacks the body of another man, like another sentient being walking the earth. Um, and like a
0: Cronenberg like, premise dude
1: yeah and the movie doesn't acknowledge that this is fucked up really at all no. like at no point is Diana like hey it's good to have you back and everything but this is like some dude with a social security number yeah. and maybe children <laughs> who are wondering where he is like yeah. I don't know anything about this guy
0: but at I'm no point flashbacks are just... I think we did talk about this very specific point on the podcast because I think we've said okay. this already where I'm just like Jesus Christ yeah they just kind of don't talk about those existential fucking implications
1: right but like the the point is she wishes for that and there's supposed to be a punishment and the punishment is not that this poor dude's got like body got hijacked and she has to look at another dude and talk to steve trevor it's that she starts to lose her powers Mm -hmm. um whereas kristen wiggs punishment for wishing to this thing that she doesn't even know grant's wishes uh to be cooler and smarter like her friend diana is she literally loses her humanity and becomes like a cheetah woman by the end Mm -hmm. so like diana loses her powers for a little bit this woman turns into a monster woman with no like fucking moral compass anymore. Like it
0: just seemed like a little bit off balance. Oh God! Uh, i'm not arguing with any of that i'm literally coming to bat for just the max lord of it all he's the one character where i'm just like i oh, gave him a son and they actually well, tried to do some heavy lifting with that
1: pedro pascal excels like, the shit out of it to be yeah. like very fair like i fucking loved him in that and he's like practically like bleeding from the eye by the end and everything he's like I get, i'll give you all the wishes make all the wishes more power for me you know and it's like i believed it i was yeah. with it until wonder woman fucking like preaches to the world about like Loss and everything when all she lost, you know, yeah. she's a fucking wealthy, like centuries old, powerful woman. Is like, you know, some who of sat, her who parts, by the like, way,
0: sat on the bench for the Holocaust. I like how yeah. we just jumped over to fucking World War One yeah, to 19. Jenkins
1: was like, uh, we'll just ignore it, which is probably bench, to be fair. The best move,
0: probably on the bench for the Holocaust, Korea, Vietnam, uh, the civil yeah. rights movement, <laughs> like.
1: Yeah, but like it's showing these images of like all these people in the world making wishes and everything. It's like kids getting abused by their dads and like war-torn countries and like poverty and like all this horrible shit that Diana has never had to deal with because she's the most privileged human being on the planet Earth. And she's like, if you just look to love... You don't have to make wishes and it was right. like all right you know that's not going to fix the kid's problem <laughs> who's abused by his dad i don't think but okay we'll go well, with that
0: if, if love were a little bit more present in that household i think it would fix the problems but clearly that's not what's going on right. but listen i'm not debating any of this what i'm debating is that it still works as a film, it's a bad film, but the editing mm-hmm. like sort of makes sense. Like what I'm saying is it doesn't yeah. feel like this, oh my God, what are we watching? Like, again, think back to how it felt to watch Suicide Squad, like from the first five minutes of that movie.
1: I'm, I'm Yeah, and I'm telling you honestly though, like watching this movie, I had my hands over like on my head like this, and it felt like a, a, something was tearing a hole in my brain because oh I was just God. like, but wait, what? But wait, what? Um, oh, but God. it just kept going, but it was so positive about it that I was like, kind of okay with it as opposed know. to suicide squad, which is a fucking nightmare. It's just a monochromatic, ugly,
0: you watched the, uh, snowman, right?
1: Or you no. didn't? You didn't. No, okay, I've because, seen some video breakdowns on it, but I haven't Because
0: that's it. what I'm talking about. Like, something that fundamentally doesn't work as a movie because right. everything is wrong with it. That's how I feel Where about it's got, Suicide got, like, severe,
1: even technical-level, like, yeah. issues and editing problems and things that, characters that just disappear and shit. Right, yeah. and that's
0: that's what a Razzie should be for. Like, mm-hmm. you know, because like, you glorify it in a weird way if you take a mediocre film that's bad and then say, look how bad it is. Wonder Woman 1984 is not so bad it's good. It's not the fucking room. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, like, and I think that's the weird distinction that we're starting to like cross these lines as if it is. And I'm like, come on, that's not a Razzie movie. It's a really yeah. bad movie that deserves to be kind of derided for a while, you know?
1: Yeah, no, I, I had a lot of fun being perplexed and confounded by it. So it gave me some entertainment value, you know, which is more than I can say for Suicide Squad. That was just miserable. You and I were both miserable
0: after that. <laughs> it, ruined the, it ruined the entire desert experience. We're like, <laughs> What? this is this is why we're out here because when the nukes go off we deserve to to be surrounded by the six foot roaches and shit like that
1: and the worst part about it christian is it wasn't even my first time watching it it was my second watch of suicide squad
0: you was coming you you by the way you were the one who pitched it because i was like i've never finished this movie i saw the first 10 minutes and was like this is bad i'm done and you're like we should Mm -hmm. watch it (laughs) what was going on there do you have any buyer's remorse there
1: yeah i mean i guess i don't know like we ended up watching all the snyder shit so like it it started something or was that before we watched suicide squad no Either we saw
0: way. yeah we saw suicide squad in the desert and we watched batman versus superman here yeah.
1: right yeah so like I, I think my thinking was that like sometimes it's fun to pick apart why something doesn't work but i forgot you know with oh, the <laughs> intervening years like how just miserable it is to do that with that movie uh release the air cut am I right? god help us <laughs>
0: Um, I've been rewatching Mad Men recently. Yeah. We talked about this a little bit. You just finished it, right? So you're, I you're did. me in the future.
1: Yeah. I did a full series rewatch, I think at a faster clip than you. Cause I know you want to like really digest and like go over these, but I, I've seen, this is only your second or first time rewatching it. Right. First like rewatch. In, yeah. I've done it a few times. So for me, like I, I pretty much know that show, but there's stuff in the later seasons I forgot about, you know, cause I hadn't watched
0: those as much. And like,
1: it was like watching it the first time, it's kind of great.
0: Uh, I'm the opposite way for some reason. I've rewatched a lot of the later seasons and not mm. the first ones. Um, so this is a really interesting thing for me to go kind of go back. And I, I think I talked to you about this. It's weird because Mad Men 100% and that Mount Rushmore of, of great television shows, but unlike all of the other ones, I haven't we haven't mythologized that show yet. Um, There, you know, Breaking Bad, you can point to five, six episodes is like, yo, this is a watershed moment, right? Uh, Right. Because even though it's all good, that was able to like spike the thing, you know, on on the Richter scale. Same thing with The Sopranos. We know like, hey, college, that's going to be the one, right? Right. Like, you have all these goalposts in your journey. And I guess, you know, intellectually, we have that with Mad Men too, but it feels different because the quality and consistency of that is always so fucking high that it's hard for you to differentiate anything.
1: And I think like also like those two shows you mentioned, Sopranos and uh, Breaking Bad, like those are water cooler shows like, oh, did you see the episode where fucking Tony? spoiler alert like beats the shit out of Ralph Cifaretto or whatever? Whereas like, you know, nobody at the water cooler the next day is like, oh, my God, did you see when Peggy touched Don's hand again? You know, but it's like for us, it's like, fuck. But like, it's not like that kind
0: of show. It felt like a secret handshake awesome. handshake show, and it's weird because it yeah. was popular. Like people watched it specifically, like for AMC ratings. It was like a pretty popular show. I think it was like yeah. 10 million people watched it or something. It was never Game of Thrones. It wasn't Breaking Bad, at least last season Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was this show that it was incredibly powerful and Chekhovian in its in its way of uh, making very ordinary things that are happening have extraordinary implications and like right. You know, I, I really love the show. It's, it's amazing. And also it's, it's weird to watch a show as an adult and have a completely different feeling about certain characters. Mm-hmm. Um, initially, it's like, oh, yeah, by the way, John Hamm is wonderful, like a wonderful actor, like doing so many different notes in the show. And it's early yeah. still. It's just the first season. You know what I mean? I know where, where the other shades and other notes he plays later on. But I remember, in classic two uh, thousands fashion, of hating the uh, the female protagonists in the show. Yeah. Right. Breaking Bad. We hated Skyler White. We hated Carmela Soprano. Yeah.
1: yeah and just a side note, I'm rewatching Breaking Bad now, because why not? And like Skyler is so sympathetic throughout that entire show, and like the internet just, in it, and all of its glorious misogyny, just fucking tore
0: her apart makes you feel better it's not just uh dudes apparently I, I had this very conversation with jen norris a good friend of ours and like mm-hmm. she was like i have no fucking sympathy for her if you want to leave you leave there there is a end game here and like right. and, and i agree with that in the beginning certainly like there's that part where uh, but i always go back to that episode in therapy where she's talking to the therapist and just like says it out plain and how she feels completely stuck and i'm like yeah. i understand that holy shit mm-hmm. she's amazing but, you know, from a bird's eye view, you're like, you just run away from danger, you know? So right. I guess, like, people hate it. But the point is, most men do hate all the female people just because they're, by virtue of not being dickheads most of the time, antagonistic towards our protagonists. Yeah,
1: they're, they're impediments towards our men being able to cook meth or cheat on them or whatever, you right. <laughs> <No? laughs>
0: you know the cool things that men do uh but that was my point so it's like re-watching this now I remember I used to fucking hate Betty and so much of that by the way I think Betty rightfully gets uh, shitty later on and like you can then dislike things that Betty does I remember sure. in the in later she fires Carla and she doesn't even let her say goodbye to the kid like there are some terrible things that Betty does oh, yeah yeah she's awful so I'm watching this show now and I'm sorry for that spoiler alert and that's about as detailed as I'll get I'm watching this show now and it's just like night and day the way I feel about this character I feel so bad how many times have I hit you up at like fucking one o'clock in the morning and I'm like Max yeah. Betty, we got to talk about Betty
1: yeah I get like paragraphs from you um and, and I love it uh no I was just like picturing somebody like listening to this who's never watched Mad Men they're like right on the bubble about to do it and then it's like oh no Carla gets fired I'm not watching it now I've been spoiled <laughs>
0: It's the same thing as like the garage going down and breaking bad, you know what I'm saying? Like it has the same implications. No, come on. Um, But yeah, I mean, my my, my point is like, I don't want to be like these like fucking lit professors, like did the book change or did I, but like I sort of, I'm asking that question, Mm -hmm. like because for some reason, anything that was the impediment, anything that was the obstacle, Mm-hmm. Of, of our protagonist was deemed as like a problem and like i remember fucking hating betty i'm watching this now and i'm like not only do i feel bad for betty i would watch the spinoff of this show like that was a concurrent yeah. show about just what's going on with her i think she is just such her cool
1: and austin just having passive-aggressive conversations with her francine or whoever. that would
0: be the better call Saul, right which is like it's got way less sexy stakes right, right.
1: but <laughs> betty to- going to a pta meeting <laughs>
0: I would watch it World's build World's end You know what I'm saying Holy shit I would watch that See that's better See that's that's my point is There's been two Creative spinoffs in my mind Dolores pitched something Which is genius Which is like Unlike Wonder Woman 1984 Where there's that Incredibly overwrought I'm gonna go jogging scene Mm-hmm. And every dude Like like every dude is a cartoon wolf yeah. You know what I'm saying mm-hmm. like, uh, <laughs> Unlike that the 60s was just Kind of like that like every other line In the first season of Mad Men is somehow Putting a woman down demeaning yeah. her opinion Calling her fat like
1: I've, I've had so many people tell me that they couldn't get past it Because of that like especially women Where they're like yeah I can't watch this This is terrible
0: Yeah no it, it fucking is yeah. it's, it's abhorrent And yet like th- that would be an, ac- an inaccurate show If you didn't portray it th- that way but what i wanted right. to do is just like you just have a woman snap we call it chainsaw betty and you literally get every you can get january jones to cast this by the way just like as some <laughs> stunt casting you put her right. in like the exact same uh, outfit as betty draper and, and like uh, you know I mean, she her-
1: looks she has not aged a day i don't know if you've seen her but she looks exactly the same
0: she could do it yeah, no, I believe Can't this is why it. we gotta yeah. get to it now. We gotta you gotta like corner Matthew Weiner in a fucking West Hollywood elevator or something. <laughs> Which would be hard because only two people are allowed in elevators over here. So we you wouldn't know, be able sup, to go sup in.
1: Wiener, a- sup wiener. Yo, chainsaw Betty, here's my pitch. And just like fucking put the stop button on.
0: <laughs> We'd be breaking COVID laws. That's the problem, you know, like just to even have that conversation. We can <laughs> go to jail like from for a- that.
1: From a safe six foot distance in the no. elevator, just squaring up.
0: Hey, know <laughs> What? Yeah, he has no idea what's going on. Um, right. Yeah, but no, I I, wanted, I I could just see a movie about, uh, especially because that's my whole point is watching that show. I'm like the patience fucking women have. Oh my god, like. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's different when you're like, oh, this is an everyday reality. This is what it is. So I don't have right. the uh, the the ability to really say anything. I was reading some reports about Cuomo. Like one of the ladies who's accusing Cuomo about this, and she had this point where she was talking about a time that he grabbed her hand and and put it put 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 his hand on the small of her back and like. Turned her like she wanted to like squirm away And she wasn't able to and and then She said like I did what Most women in this situation do is make this Calculated risk that it's better to Smile for a second and be uncomfortable And feel grossed out rather than Take on the most powerful man in politics You know what I'm saying right. and it really Is that idea that like holy shit women just Really couldn't say anything back This was the reality and so I right. Want Betty Draper who is clearly going Through some shit in the first <laughs> season of this spinoff just kills everybody. Alternate Mad Men universe, and you can bring in the rest of the Mad Men cast. By the way, I'm into it. Well, well, who does she start with? Does she does she start with Don, or is
1: that like the final boss fight? Like, final boss, like clearly, the final because
0: he's fight. in a penthouse in New York. You know, fucking everybody. Like right. that, that. final scene. <laughs> Peggy is like the Desdemona of this story, which she does nothing wrong and still dies by the end of right. it. Because you know, hell she like no gives period. up
1: Don's location or something. She's still his secretary. <laughs> and she like has to fight her way through a don draper orgy just like all of his mistresses are all in there at once <laughs> until she so finally like, gets
0: that's her john wick knife museum scene you know it's like it's a lot going on but uh, stick with it they're gonna find creative ways to make orgies weaponized you know
1: yeah C- could she um, like stick his head in the oven at the end and be like sorry honey dinner's in the oven well, self yeah, style baby
0: well like after she severs it i assume she's called chainsaw betty she's not gonna switch her is, it, is she stove oven or you know, you know what i'm saying like what are we stove calling oven. her yeah like what are we calling her here So is it a
1: chainsaw fight with her and don draper does he have a chainsaw too no
0: he has like a cigarette i mean he doesn't he doesn't believe in fucking chainsaw he doesn't think a woman can hurt him that's the point this is season one don all right This isn't fully realized Don, who's like doing fucking shit in California, being awesome. We're talking about, you know, Don Draper season one, barely competent, barely fully realized.
1: Damn. So chainsaw versus a cigarette.
0: Yeah. My lucky strikes will save me, he says. And then he lights it and lights her a cigarette, too.
1: Because he's still a
0: gentleman. Right.
1: You think he's charmed her for half a second and then she like turns that chainsaw on.
0: i mean look it's like it's smutty sure it's be i'm not saying we're gonna win oscars here but we could make some some of that Bloomhouse money with this project you know
1: could like the last scene just be like sally like where's daddy and she's like he's out and she's just covered in blood smoking a
0: cigarette yeah that's our smash cut like you know <laughs> that we just throw on a really cute buddy holly song it's like the right. fucking fade out credit i like we're gonna have to you know we're gonna spend a lot of money de-aging her that's the problem i mean betty no, 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 no. Oh, cute uh, and Sally. Yeah, we're no, going to have to make because I'm a loyalist. I, I think we right. either bring everyone back or we bring no one back.
1: Like Bobby, who gives a shit. There were five of those fuckers <laughs> running around, but like Sally, there's only one. How do you so feel they,
0: about the kid who played Bobby, who has to think every day that like, they kept the they can, same he's
1: lady. He's on the chopping block. Yeah, every single day he comes in. Yeah, it's like maybe third time's a charm.
0: Why didn't Winder had nothing to say about being a son yeah. to a uh, or being a fun, uh, father to a son, which is interesting, because his son is literally in the show as Glenn. I was gonna
1: say like, of all the characters, you should have recast. <laughs> instead, they pick Bobby.
0: <laughs> and uh, I like that Don Draper really doesn't give a fuck about any of his marital shortcomings or shortcomings as a human being, as it pertains. Bobby like there's never a scene where he holds Bobby and he's like I'm so sorry like you don't get that catharsis it's always Sally because Bobby
1: is just trying to hold it together you know he's just trying to make everybody happy he's like let's see Planet of the Apes I love my dad I love my mom you know but Sally's like you're a disappointment to me dad on an
0: existential level
1: (laughs) sounds like fuck (laughs) lights a cigarette
0: (laughs) that's what that show was missing (laughs) a couple more fucks (laughs) In front of the children, <laughs> like, right? That was the problem. Just
1: starts cursing in front of them. The the seventies have arrived. You know, Don doesn't give a shit anymore.
0: <laughs> that Harold's a new era. You know, that's incredible. Uh, Jesus, that's Christ. that's what
1: I fucking need. Ah, but yeah, Chainsaw Betty. I, you know, you know, I would watch it. I don't even have to say it. I would love it. I want to make it.
0: Yeah, I, I we can cast uh, the lady who was in Twin Peaks, who was Candy from Twin Peaks. Who just always in those Vegas suits or whatever. Uh-huh. i'm talking vegas dresses you know vegas suits the, those famous vegas suits man. right are we
1: gonna have her still be like a vegas like showgirl
0: well I, I think she's probably in the tower with don before the fight because he got himself uh, a betty clone you know betty with betty yeah because yeah, she does she does look a lot like betty yeah and we can yeah. have we can give her a gimmick she can have some kind of weapon so it's chainsaw betty versus i don't know yeah like well maybe don like, could just be <laughs> like
1: he 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 could like push her away when, when Betty comes in with the chainsaw and be like, Oh, I thought this was you. <laughs> uh, all right, and lights a cigarette.
0: <laughs> and then like basically looks back, he looks at both of them like he's expecting something to go down here. You know what I mean? Right. Like it's gonna be chainsaw Betty and Machete Betty and Todd Draper. Right, just We're like looks over
1: happens. his rock's glass, just like watching the show. <laughs>
0: I think we got a hit weiner look you can't be protective of this property even david chase is making this fucking uh yeah and he's
1: in newark or whatever it's called now yeah, yeah. Are you excited yeah. about
0: that because we're gonna see a little gandolfini
1: yeah i mean i hear little gandolfini is like an experienced actor but i don't know what he's been in but i've heard he's supposed to be pretty good So we'll see if he can capture that Gandolfini energy. It's not, it's, it's one of those things where it was kind of like El Camino or like any of these other returns to where it's like not something we really need that, that story is so perfectly, you know, concluded that I don't need it, but I'll
0: take it. It's like a little dessert, you know, it's a little bit of extra on on the, you know, entree. I just feel like it's avoiding the El Camino of it all because it's it's a period piece, right? So it in no right. way touches the story that I where we
1: we don't have to pretend that Fat Damon isn't doesn't look twenty years older somehow.
0: I do want to give him a lot of credit though because even though he does look like a like a scarecrow that like was left <laughs> out in the sun for twenty years, uh, he does get right back into whatever oh, yeah. that headspace is as that character. It's insane.
1: That dude's killing it, by the way. You heard he replaced DiCaprio
0: uh, on yeah. uh, what's it called, Ca- Killers, uh, the Kill- Bar- Killers of the Flower Moon? Yeah, which is yeah. we have that outside. You should read that; it's fucking wonderful. Um, yeah, I'm really excited for him because he's someone that we've been tracking for a long time as an actor, and I think that's gonna be his big like yeah. Oscar movie. You know, like you got the pedigree behind him at that point. It's a it's good. It's a really good book. Like I said, I can only imagine what Scorsese is gonna do with it. Um, yeah. Friday so. Night Lights just you know produces talent and also You've Tim Regan, Kitsch. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say <laughs> Tim <Rugen. laughs> You want fictional name. That's amazing. I like that we were both going after this piece of shit at the same time. I just want to know I mean, when he- Hollywood decided he was a thing we were going
1: to deal with. Well, here's the thing. Like I love Friday night lights and Tim Higgins him as Tim Higgins. Like he's great for literally only that part. Like that's the only part I believe he can play. Maybe he'll surprise us in 20 years with like a Travolta like comeback, but I don't see it happening unless it's as Tim Riggins as an old man, which I would watch just a drunk Texas landowner, you know,
0: (laughs) he's thinking about the glory days back under the Friday night lights. He hears the roar of the crowd. he looks over it's just a scarecrow it's nothing this guy's all by himself he's got nobody
1: just tormented by his memories it's the post-apocalypse now <laughs> Most of that texas would be is-
0: like a real swerve why can't we just go back and reimagine like all of the shows that we like about people glorifying the good old days like right. because there's yeah. a post-apocalypse so of course right. everything was the good old days
1: he just hears like the distant roar of the crowd on the icy winds of texas <laughs> which is now frozen over forever <laughs>
0: no see that's his call to action he's just sitting there in an otherwise dead town the winds rustle up and he hears the crowd it's so vivid in his mind mm-hmm. that he's like i gotta fucking go back to austin or something he went to austin once for a year went he to did. a ut game or something right but then he got too drunk yeah like
1: you're out of here tim Lost
0: scholarship yeah you've he also got a car. record <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> that um shorts became a thing just because of like economic car chips
1: oh where it was like easier to just make less of a pants
0: <laughs> right because <laughs> i think back in the day you see like pictures of people. In my country. <laughs> oh jesus christ
1: my burrito.